All right, it is March 10. We are in the March Madness phase of the year, but not right here. We have nothing but common sense here in, in the face of the madness. Uh, common Sense Ohio at commonsenseohioshow.com. That is where you will find Common Sense Ohio, unless you go to wherever else you get podcasts, which is everywhere, uh, you will find it there too. So if you want to subscribe to Common Sense Ohio, we encourage that you do. If this is your first time listening, well, guess what? You're about to be thoroughly entertained by our common sense approach to Ohio news. And you would think, well, what the hell do I care about Ohio news? Well, you know, you, you maybe not, but I will tell you this. Listen up, because what we're talking about here tends, tends to be instructive about what's going on throughout the country. Why? Because this is, as Norm likes to say, we are in flyover country, coming at you right from the middle. So as Ohio goes, so does the rest of the country and often the world. So you can, now I've used the word so like 20 times now, so you can, you can extrapolate from that that we are moving the world right here at the round table. You see how I did that? It's round and it's the world. It's not spherical, but it's more of a flat pancake uh, at the table. Uh, all right, with that dribble done, uh, we have Norm, who looks like he is, uh, he actually looks like a lawyer at council table, <laughs> staring at his, actually, you know what he looks like? He looks like he's about to testify in front of the Senate, and uh, Man. He, he's looking at a sheet like I prepared on the airplane the whole way here to D.C., and now I've got to offer the testimony. Man's got to have his sheets together, man. He's got to have, have his, his sheets, sheets together. together. Right, there we go. So this is like bad pun <laughs> Friday. <laughs> yeah, so, dad, dad humor. So you got to be about ready for the races, I would think. Oh, boy. Bad topic. Um, yeah, so I have, uh, let's see, two race cars at the moment that are in complete, like, just being refreshed. And so there's parts scattered and people in Florida and people in Texas and people in England that are all sending me parts and pieces. And at some point, it'll come together and... Uh, so I'll, I'll have a functional race car. So what you hmm. don't know, what you guys may not know about Norm is that he runs this business selling auto parts. Like what you have this unique race car that somehow is uh, is niche. Every every race car I have is weird. I yeah. mean, yeah, they're they're all kind of like you bought a bunch of boxes of Legos and you put it to some some well, odd thing together. They're just oddball yeah. cars. Yeah. I guess the norm most normal car. Would be the uh, the ex Jack Roush Jr. Uh, Mustang, um, but even that car is kind of screwy. It, it like it has too much technology for me. <laughs> if, if there's too many gizmos on it, it you know I'm used to analog driver inputs, and this car does things that are just amazing all by itself. You know now it. It's not leading edge like, you know, the, the new Porsches, the new BMWs, the new Ferraris. They have things like paddle shifters and uh, 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 throttle blippers and all this all this stuff. Is that true? Is that real? A throttle That's blipper? A, a throttle a, yeah. blipper? It sounds like a fletch line. So, so we got that really? blipper over okay, there. Bl- exactly. So let me describe this. Human beings have two feet. My cars all have three pedals. Correct. Very hard. Okay. Well, it's, it's you know, with practice, you can become proficient. And, and I'd like to think that I'm pretty proficient after 40 years of doing this, um, that I, I dance like Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> on those pedals. You know, I tap dance on them. And if you put a camera in my footwell and watched my feet, you would just say, you know. Uh, well, we ah, should absolutely do that. Yeah. How do you do that? How do, how do you get... How do you coordinate your arm shifting the gears, the 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 throttle, you know, accelerating the car, and yet manipulate the brakes and the clutch in such a way that it all goes smooth when you have two feet and three pedals? So it's muscle memory. It is. Ultimately. It really is. So yeah. just driving down here today to record the show, and everywhere I go, even at low speed, usually at low speed, I obey the speed limits. I, I don't race on the street. I I will practice my art of what they call heel-toe um, driving, okay. where you use one foot uh, cocked diagonally to operate two pedals at the same time. 
So that's how you drive we a car a, with we need three to put a pedals. Camera. We need to put a camera on this. Car. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. Right? I mean, you. Yes, you, but most people you pivot would, on your heel. Most people. Yeah. Well, that's not yeah. what I'm talking about. Okay. What What no. I'm talking about is actually putting my heel on the brake pedal, and um, and my toe on the. Excuse me. I said clutch. I meant the throttle. So I'm operating the clutch with my left foot, and I'm operating the throttle and the brakes simultaneously the throttle and the brakes oh, with my you. right foot wow so my right foot is bridged across two pedals and your your heel then would be on the throttle right my heel it's up to you know some people are able to twist their foot to the left i twist mine to the right so i put my heel on the brakes and i put my toe on the throttle I got to do a three thing wow. series with you. I got three things I want to know about racing because that's fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. it's it's really yeah. some, it's really something, and it's it's not a natural thing. It, I mean, it takes a while to learn how to do that. But see, the children today, to include guys like Lewis Hamilton, seven time Formula One champion, and on down the the current generation, the younger guys, many of them at the higher end of the sport have never driven a car with a manual clutch because they're using paddle shifters. So they are literally only having to hit the brakes and the throttle and their shifting is done up at the steering On wheel. On the steering wheel. Yeah. Okay. So, Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, so a lot of us geezers like to say. But what's more efficient? That, that actually takes more talent to drive an old car. You know, and in right. no way am I saying these other guys aren't talented. I'm just saying it requires more of the driver because obviously two pedals is way easier to use than three. Well, you got two feet. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, Brett, when I was young, my the, hmm. the ideal hot rod, I remember driving in my, you know, my dad's Pinto station wagon and <laughs> looking at the car lots as you would go by, you'd see all these shiny, hot, like fancy sports cars. <laughs> and you know which one it was? The Capri. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Norm, Norm's yeah. got this niche market. So tell us, I got I, you know now that I've introduced it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I sell parts, uh, mail order, for racing restoration, just common street use on what is really an orphan car, uh, a, a car you can't get parts for generally at AutoZone Napa. Uh, Advanced Auto, O'Reilly. You can't just walk in and get parts for these old uh, Ford Capris. They were sold at the Mercury dealers, but they were badged as Fords. Um, and, you know, it's an orphan car at this point. They were sold in the 70s, uh, half a million of them in the United States. And, uh, you know, uh, but they were disposable cars like Pintos and <laughs> you know, early Corollas and, you know, stuff like that, where it was an inexpensive car. Some of it was, some of the trim was cardboard, you know, basically press board. And, you know, at the end of, uh, when it got rusty, people just, you know, they junked them. Mm. So they weren't collector cars until like 50 years later. So here we are. And you've made a niche market out of it. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. So well, that's, that's all. Parts for that. All I do is represent people charged with crimes. And, 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 you know, <laughs> all I do is podcasting. So, yeah, I, yeah right. I don't, uh, I don't go race with one foot, and nor do I sell Capri parts. <laughs> far more interesting. So back to the business at hand. Yeah. We've got Common Sense Ohio. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I guess uh, the, right. what do you got? As, as everybody knows, Norm always comes prepared with, with what I call his grad school yeah, yeah. Uh, papers. Yeah. Well, Probably other than, I mean, we can start with some of the federal stuff. So we have three congressmen that are heading up serious uh, investigations in Washington, D.C. from Ohio. Yep. Uh, I mean, major stuff. We can go there. We can also go right here in Ohio, the former Speaker of the House. He was twice Speaker, Larry Householder, and his sidekick, Mac, Matt Borges, who was the Ohio uh, Republican Party chairman, uh, Dave Yost's campaign uh, manager at one point, and uh, lobbyist for First Energy. So, um, you know, they got convicted uh, this week. Um, look, Both of them are looking at uh, 20 years, up to 20 years, uh, when sentencing occurs. They were, they were convicted 
uh, by the jury, a uh, federal court of racketeering. And, um, you know, part of what upsets me about this trial, uh, it, you know, good. If they're guilty, I'm glad that they were found guilty. So the system, you know, hopefully worked and it was just. My problem is that First Energy, if you will, the John, you know, if, if you want to view Larry Householder and Matt Borges as the prostitutes who prostituted state government on behalf of a private corporation, being bribed and being stroked and being, you know, doing things that uh, personal enrichment um, in order to pass House Bill 6, which DeWine signed the day it got to his desk, um, a big bailout that was later rescinded when when some of this uh, hanky-panky came to light. What upsets me is First Energy, the company that set all of this corruption in motion and had House Bill 6 written up, had it passed, you know, paid all these people off to pass it and to introduce the bill, they got a deferred prosecution. So none of their executives are going to face any kind of, you know, court time uh, any kind of prosecution, any kind of time in jail, they pay $230 million of corporate funds, right, to bail out basically the executives of the company. You know, the guys turning the wrenches down at the power plant didn't do anything wrong. You know, it was management. Well, and, you know, a couple things about this I think are going to be interesting. I mean, one, what's the sentence going to be? And federal court has a... Has, they have a sentencing process that's not necessarily like what the states do. We have the U.S. federal sentencing guidelines that provide some guidance. Uh, they're no longer mandatory uh, that the judges follow the guidelines. It used to be that way. And then then you have the statutory maximums that, uh, as you said, Norm, up to 20. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where this really shakes out and uh, what the sentence is. But beyond that, you know, generally what's bothered me, I think, and I, and I think I've said to myself, and maybe on the air here, uh, something about this prosecution has has sort of irked me and, and not because I think householders innocent necessarily uh, and not because I think that the prosecution was wrong, but because I think, and, and then I read something where one, I think it was one of the AUSAs A's said or argued or made a media comment like, you know, this is too big to be your typical political uh, interaction and exchange amongst a politician and a private business who's lobbying them. So then it, it's sort of like, all right, we're going to tolerate this at the lower levels or we're going to tolerate what is, um, what everybody would just understand to be lobbying political donations, um, uh, giving money to the candidate who you think is going to best serve your own needs, uh, as a business person. Uh, and, but if you really, really do that on a big level, then it's a crime. And, you know, I, I think there's probably more to that here than, uh, just lobbying, but it seems like a natural extension of what goes on day in and day out. And it's why I hate the corrupt system because, you know, people will say, and what else is interesting about this norm is something you pointed out that this is this is where they seem to have targeted the politicians, but not the business. Um, it seems like a lot of people on the left will, for the longest time, said those evil corporations, um, you know, influencing politicians, and that's where the target was. But then somehow along the way, it shifted over, like the corporations are good guys now because they're uh, if they fall in line with the right agenda, and it, here they've targeted the politicians. I would say if one is guilty, so is the other. Well, it takes two to dance. That's right. Yeah. A, a conspiracy it just does. requires a cons- co-conspirators. Wow. Yeah. And, and conspiracy law is so broad that if you, you know, all these people were equally guilty. Now, they cut deals, and there is a reality of the world that, that law enforcement and, and justice has to cut deals. But, uh, you know, it, something about this still sort of irks me. I haven't landed on exactly why. And, and look, I confess I've not done the deep dive into the case to know all the facts and nuances, but it just seems to me like, all right, so you had this energy group whose plants were obsolete and need, they needed money and they needed funding and they needed to bail out. So they lobbied the people in our local state Congress to help them uh, get a bailout. And then that happened. And now we're surprised by this. You know, it's like, you know, what is surprising by this at all? And I I just can't help but think that this is a precedent that is going to come back and bite everybody in the ass. And maybe it should. You know, maybe we should take down this system, this pay-to-play system. Um, But it is a pay-to-play system. You know, you had AOC. Did you guys see this news on, I hate to bring this federal, but it's relevant. 
Um, she went to the the ball last year, the Vogue ball. Yeah, wearing that dress that mm. said "I hate rich people" or whatever, mm-hmm. tax the rich. Right. And it turns out that she ran up a five thousand dollar hotel bill. She ran up a a makeup bill of a couple five hundred dollars. The transportation bill was a few grand. She didn't pay any of it. Um, she was initially invited by Vogue uh, to be their guest, but you can't do that because there were thirty thousand a pop to go. So then Vogue had this weird. Uh, interaction with her like look we can't really you can't be our guests uh, because your people are telling us you can't accept this gift so you're going to be a guest of the ball itself but we're really supplying the tickets you know it's just it's just it enters this sort of stinky realm Mm -hmm. and anybody who thinks that their politician is not engaged in this on either side of the aisle you are sorely mistaken now i'm not saying all of them and maybe that's an overstatement because i have back to your your uh where we're going next i think norm is jim jordan and some of his work um, I have a very close friend who who golfs or has golfed with Mr. Jordan. You, they don't even buy a Coke on the golf course for each other. They cannot do it. They cannot take 50 cents. They can't take uh, – I'd be surprised if, they, if they'd get in trouble for letting somebody have a mulligan. You know, it's like the, the rule they, – you have to play by the rules so tightly uh, that uh, it, it's, uh, it becomes almost uh, reduced to absurdity. But that's the system. Um and I don't know what I'm saying with this other than it goes on, people. And, yeah. And if it, it went on here, fine. It pr- does. Prosecute the people. But you're going to have to end up, end up prosecuting a lot of people, I fear. It mm-hmm. does go on. The, yeah. the outrages uh, that I witnessed as um, during my time as a lobbyist. Back when Norm was a co-conspirator. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, uh, none of my clients other than uh, the uh, state um, association of school treasurers and business managers that I represented, they were the only ones that participated in a uh, pack, and uh, it was a pack with the school board association and the principals and the you know the gym teachers. Every it was basically the public education systems pack, and they they would support candidates that generally were. We're sensitive to the needs of uh, Ohio's schools, so it was kind of milk as stuff. But I saw other industries, uh, you know, being in the milieu, being at the state house. I mean, I, I I saw things that just were unbelievable. I think earlier in a in a previous show, I discussed Republican uh, President of the Senate Stanley Aronoff and Democrat Speaker of the House Vern Reif, and their birthday party thing that both of them were doing. It was just unbelievable. And, and, you know, people would show up, uh, companies that wanted to write bonds for the state of Ohio, we're talking, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to build things like uh, the turnpike and, you know, uh, waterworks and whatever the state controlling board is letting out for a contract and it needs to be financed you know, real heavy-duty players literally handing envelopes of cash to politicians as they walked into these birthday parties. Hmm. I mean, it's I, it, anyway, I could go on forever, but yeah. what, what I saw was, uh, you know, it, it, it would disappoint every citizen in the state of Ohio. I mean, it, would, well, it would upset people if they knew how, how just how crass and how... Um, defiant these politicians uh, used to be. Then we got all kinds of reform. So Vern and Stan got to keep their money. They cut a deal with the Ohio Inspector General's office that they would never run for office again, but they got to keep their money. So they both retired. They both have buildings named after them. They're both heroes of, uh, you know, Ohio, you know, in some people's eyes. You know, there's the Rife Tower. There's the there's the Aronoff Center, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So they got to keep their cash. And then they shut the gate behind them and erected an incredibly detailed, as Steve mentioned, an incredibly rigorous uh, anti-corruption reporting regime where you literally you can't buy a Coke and, and hand it off to your local state rep. If he comes over to your house and you want to serve him coffee, you know, it's some kind of an incident. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, and, and, you know, this is where I tee off on this stuff because really the problem is, is, a, is, a, is a direct result 
of what I will call deep state regulatory scheme, or maybe I should even say it this way, fascism. Because once you have the federal government meddling in private industry, so, you know, I guess energy is one of those sort of um, hybrid, or you you would say, all right, maybe the government has some, some extra interest in this, in uh, energy power plants. But, you know, the problem goes all the way back. It goes back to Woodrow Wilson and then uh, other, and then uh, FDR, who basically uh, created a, a scheme where the federal government was meddling in all the private industry. And once you have that, once that, once that connection is created, it automatically opens up the avenues necessary for corruption. So if the government can help you in your private industry, then you're going to pay the government or try to help sway the government officials who have their hands on those purse strings that can help you. So, you know, and then it, then it gets even worse. It's not just about money. It's about changing the regulatory scheme to benefit your business. And if you think that it's a coincidence that, um, that, uh, people in Congress get loaded. It's like, mm, yeah. think again, because are, are they just that smart of investors or do they have some inside information about what the next big business is going to be based on government policy and government pressure? And you could say, well, all right, well, the government doesn't really regulate this private industry or banks, but they do. They regulate where you can build a bank. They regulate how you mm-hmm. can build a bank. They regulate whether you're going to get insured. They regulate all sorts of things. So when they cram down the regulations, the banks listen. And you know they're, they're going to say, well, they don't have to listen because it's private. Yet they do. Well, the uh, the thing is about uh, the a public utility, whether it's uh, a waterworks or or uh, a natural gas supplier or an electric company uh, or a trucking company or a bus company, those are all regulated in Ohio by the Ohio Public Utilities Commission, or as I call it, PUCO. <laughs> like the, the truckers are called PUCO. PUCO, Public got- Utilities Commission of Ohio, mm-hmm. PUCO. So uh, First Energy, if you will, had a monopoly in the area. Now, we, we, we say we deregulated. What that really means is we deregulated the billing. But, Correct. I mean, it's not as if you can just go plop up your own nuclear power plant up near Akron and compete head-to-head <laughs> with First Energy. It, that's not how it works. So deregulation basically was deregulating. It was creating a marketplace where people could buy wholesale uh, energy and then resell it, but it was coming from the same plant. So First Energy had a monopoly. That's why we have a public utilities commission, because they grant monopolies or they grant operating rights in the state of Ohio. So I always look at a public utility like First Energy, like you would look at a liquor store. You know, they they don't put uh, liquor stores, you know, like 10 of them in a row next to each other to compete. They they spread them out. It's a franchise, you know, it, or, a, or a, the right to serve alcohol at a bar. It becomes an asset to that company. So First Energy this week just sold its monopoly to a company in Texas called Vistra, for $3.4 billion. And I believe, probably, that First Energy, had they gotten the bailout, their assets would have been worth well north of $3.4 billion. So they took a big haircut. Their shareholders are, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen to First Energy now, but they don't own the power plants in Ohio that they used to own, a company in Texas does. And that company now gets to sit in the, you know, stand in the shoes, just like a a new bar owner buying a bar gets to get that permit. They're getting the permit to run uh, power plants um, in uh, in the northeast part of Ohio. Hmm. So that just happened this week. Isn't that interesting? The same week that Householder and Borges got convicted. Yeah, ironic. <laughs> yeah, ironic, really. So exactly. Uh, you guys hmm. want to talk about uh, the national? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's see what yeah. uh, Jimmy's doing up there, and uh, yeah, yeah. So get your take on it. He had my favorite witness that Jim Jordan had. So, so the name of his committee is the Weaponization of Government. Uh, so he is the chairman of that committee. He has a very odd. <laughs> Very odd person from the Democratic side, a congresswoman from the Virgin Islands, which is, of course, not a state, but she is the ranking member. 
Uh, at any rate, she, she's been fairly outrageous, and I encourage you people to go to YouTube and watch mm. some of the stuff she said. It's, it's funny. Um, at any rate, my favorite witness that Jim has had so far, I call him Jim like I know him. <laughs> I've, I've testified in front of him when he was a state representative in Ohio, but I've actually never met him personally. But at any rate, uh, Congressman Jordan had a witness, one of the guys that co-authored the Great Barrington uh, letter, which basically encouraged Fauci and et al. back during the onset of COVID in 2020 to, rather than mandate vaccines, to look towards uh, the fatality statistics, which were coming back pretty encouraging. It was not as lethal as was first feared. And he was encouraging uh, herd immunity. Now, this, this is a professor from Harvard, number one. He is, he's, from, he's a native of Sweden. He is, uh, you know, all kinds of, of awards, all kinds of medical, and, and, uh, you know, uh, awards and, and plaudits. He, he was asked in this uh, hearing about using, like, the FBI uh, going out to Twitter, as Elon Musk has revealed, and, and <coughs> suppressing uh, subject matter that would disagree with the narrative at the White House about masks, about vaccines, about whatever topic it was. So you had the FBI acting to suppress First Amendment rights by the population of the United States on Twitter, on Google, on, you know, uh, all the all the platforms, YouTube, you name it. Uh, you know, this guy was deplatformed <laughs> and he was asked, he was asked, is is there something unique about COVID that, that as a virus that would not be like any other virus? And he responded, we've known about natural immunity and herd immunity since 430 BC when Athens in Greece had its big plague. For, for like two years. A third of the population of Athens died during that plague, and eventually herd immunity and natural immunity protected the other two-thirds. And he says, we've known about it since then, and we knew about it all the way up until the year 2020. And then we forgot <laughs> so true. and then we forgot about that for three years, and now we know about it again. Uh, yeah, and, it was and, a and, gorgeous piece and by of for, mm. and by forget, they mean we turned a blind eye to it in order to make a lot of money on this other front. Exactly. So we could exercise, and so we could exercise power levels. It's funny because remember we had Doc. Um, I, I talked to some friends during this, and I'm not going to mention names, but I remember asking him, "Is this? It's like." Are we not going to get natural immunity? Can we not? Uh, does this spread without symptoms? Like, what, like, how is it operating? So he goes, look, if it's acting like every other single virus we've known about for the last 2,000 years or 1,500 years, apparently, then no. So unless it's oh, different than yeah. any other thing that we've ever... Right. But they did pitch it that way. Oh, this is unique. It's 2,500. Correct. It's COVID. It, it came well, from... You know, 2,500 yeah, years. Yes, BC. Yeah, BC. Yeah. Or I thought you said it. So 2,000 years was, was more accurate. And, but, the herd, and the herd concept was discussed because they were talking about how many people needed to be... Yeah, but it, it kind of went away early on. And then it kind of died out. Yeah. And that's what Jordan's getting. And Jordan would be a perfect host here at Common Sense. Because right, that guy just operates on common sense. He just yeah. looks at something and say, all right, this makes sense. I'm going with it. This and, Dr. Martin Koldorf was just off the hook. Oh, and, he, and he was so, um, you know, he, he, he stated in, in that kind of a pro professorial tone, you know, just like matter of fact. And, and you really had to digest what he was saying <laughs> to get the, the, the comic, you know, sad, tragic comic, uh, you know. Hey, satire. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it was political it's un satire. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, and, yeah. and, it's, uh, and I think what Jordan, like this is the purpose of his committee, which is why would the government bring its hand down right. on people? Who Weaponize had, the FBI. 
to weaponize DOJ, weaponize yeah. FBI, weaponize its own forces to squelch that kind of thing. And you know where else we're seeing this? I know this isn't directly Ohio, but it's related to what we're talking about, yeah. is that uh, they finally released, they being, uh, well, I don't I think that was Jordan's committee, that was um, um, a different committee who released the all the footage to Fox News for Tucker Carlson. Oh, that was, oh a, yeah. that was a speaker of the House. Yeah, that, that was that Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin, Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy. Yeah. yeah. So he released that all to Tucker, and then I saw Chuck Schumer on a speech, I think it was maybe even last night or the night before, oh, um, yeah. calling for Fox News to, like, literally saying, yes. this needs to be censored, don't do this. Right. And I could not, look, I don't care where you stand on what happened on January 6th, or 9-11, or Pearl Harbor, or whatever. Right. Wouldn't you want all the available public information out there? Yeah. Like, so, so yesterday yeah. at Jordan's uh, uh, hearings, he had uh, journalists. These are left-wing journalists, by the way. Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger. Yeah, that's the bullhorn. I mean, they're, they're, they're practically socialists. I mean, yeah. the, uh, Matt Taibbi wrote a book, which was a hit piece. I mean, a whole book on Sean Hannity. Okay. So, you know, he's, on, he's written like 10 books. One of his books was, was just, just taking out Sean Hannity. So they are not conservative journalists. And the Democrats were roasting or trying to. They, I don't think they made any hits. But they were trying to roast these two journalists who were some of the, I think there's been like now maybe six or seven journalists who have worked with Elon Musk at Twitter to disgorge the inner workings of these meetings uh, within Twitter and between Twitter and the federal government. And so these guys are just reporting this stuff. They are literally posting, you know, quoted conversations between Twitter employees and between Twitter and the FBI. They're just putting it out there. They're not making a lot of comment about it other than just Hey, American people, this is what went on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And, well, uh, and you know, it's, I mean, it's just, un it's, it's been unbelievable to see how, so, so, you know, I always like to think back during the hearings during Watergate, if they had brought Woodward and Bernstein, right, before the Senate committee and, you know, somebody like Sam Nunn, you know, is, is grilling these guys they would have done no such thing. They would have honored their journalistic integrity that they're allowed to publish and have sources that, you know, we respect that under the First Amendment. They're treating these two people yesterday completely different. I wonder, mm. though, a couple points. First of all, just to finalize my thoughts on, um, on the release footage on January 6th, I do have a problem with it, and I don't understand quite why it happened this way. I don't understand why McCarthy released it only to Fox News uh, for Tucker, and and that bugs me. I think if you're going to release that footage, everybody gets it. It goes out on the public mm -hmm. forum. So just say, all right, it's all of it. It's like discovery when I when the prosecutor says it's available for pickup and review at your convenience. We have it here, um, and yeah. I'm sure there's a virtual yep. file they could. have I shared. would agree with you. Yeah. It was sloppy, but yeah. he in his defense, you know, I I, I totally agree with you. I would have rolled it out simultaneously for everybody he has said that it will be provided to every it will be provided publicly to all media i agree should have done Stinks it a little bit should have done it exactly all he's given he's given fox news first grab at it yeah. in like the first 72 hours you can look at it and then well, i'll then i'll pass it out so they get the so money in the mind yeah. they get the money they get the money there you go in 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 the minds then of people who are doubters right it has cast a shadow and that is unfortunate and that's i agree with you it yeah. looks like uh yeah. i would love to see the money trail between tucker carlson and fox news and chuck Sh or uh, and uh kevin mccarthy yeah even if it's I not even if it's not that. money it's yeah. just access to right i have you on speed dial you have me on speed dial and we just always talk and i'll give you the i'll give you the insight scoop all know. the time but if you're, if you're whatever but it's but don't you stinks. think if you're advising mccarthy yes, on this of course. you're gonna say dude uh, no you're gonna give this to your crony 
Just disgorge it to Just everybody. let everybody have let it. Everybody. I, I, I would not call Tucker a crony. I think what McCarthy has been doing ever since the fight over his speakership, mm-hmm. right? You know, big battle. We all remember that, yeah. right? What, what was that, three weeks or mm-hmm. whatever? Right. 15,000 you know, votes. Yeah, yeah it right. was a big deal. I think he has ever since been trying to – he's done an amazing job. And, and what he's been trying to do is build up his cred – with the base. This was a step. This was a misstep in my opinion. I agree with you. Yeah. Yes. It was, I mean, it was a great idea to disgorge the video. It was not a great idea to do it the way he did. Selectively. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now, now one of the examples, now one of the guys on Tucker's show, one of the the guests, um, I, I watched about half the show and the best guest was the defense attorney for the guy with the big horns, the, yeah. sh- the shaman. And this is, I'm glad we're going here because I had some comments on yes. this too. So that attorney said, the video you're playing tonight, I've never seen before. And gross. I And I asked the, you know, standard, you know, law student 101, you get all the evidence that the, that the prosecution has. You, you, you have free access to it. That's how the rules work. Whatever the hell they have, you get to see it because it might obviously uh, help your case defend your client. And he's saying, hey, I never got to see any of this video. They denied me access or claimed they didn't have it or claimed it was national security or whatever excuse. And here tonight on your show, Tucker, I finally get to see it. My guy got 41 months for walking around the Capitol building in a funny costume with the Capitol Police actually opening doors for him so he could go into place. They didn't try to arrest him. He was arrested the next day. He was not arrested on January 6th. He was arrested the next day. All right. Well, let so, me give you a breakdown here. Mm-hmm. What he's talking about is the is just that pesky, you know, technicality yeah. constitution. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, <laughs> gets in the way. That's and there was a case. Um, and what's, what's fascinating about this, like this huge flourishment of, um, of constitutional criminal rights sort of happened uh, from the left. I mean, it really did. You know, Miranda and uh, all these big decisions sort of uh, protecting criminals' rights came in that era. And one of the decisions that came out of that era is a case called Brady versus Maryland. And Brady versus Maryland basically stands for the proposition that the federal government, the state government, the government entity that is prosecuting you has an obligation to provide to the defense all exculpatory evidence. That's fancy talk for saying the evidence that helps the defense, the evidence that is relevant and material to the defense. And that means it is relevant and material not only to guilt or lack of guilt, but also to punishment. And what what's happened over the years is we have this adversarial conflicting system where Norm's job is to prosecute and my job would be to defend and we're going at it. And, you know, the biggest problem that the government runs into is that they have an ego and I don't mean, or the the individuals have egos. I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, they want to win and they want to win so much that it's easy to say, wow, that's not really helpful for the defense. So I'm not going to give that to them. One of the biggest things that we can do as defense lawyers is smoke out the Brady material because it is so easy for prosecutors unwittingly uh, and justified by their desire to win, not to provide the helpful information. And when we do find it, when we do get that information, it is like knee-jerk, send the case back, reversal, like huge prosecutorial misconduct problem. Here, this is so gross because this evidence is incredibly relevant. If I'm representing like the shaman guy, whatever they called him, mm-hmm. uh, what do they call him? The, the uh, shaman. Q a shaman or something. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. QAnon shaman or something. It matters that the police are letting him into doors. It matters that he is peacefully and and quietly sort of walking through the hallways because I've seen the footage. He's sort of walking through like, am I allowed to be here? And the cops are walking with him. They're even at one point trying to open a door for him. Um, now, I'm not saying this makes him innocent, but if the theory of the prosecution is he was in there to cause trouble and riot, that's not shown on these videos. So you could show, like if you selectively as a prosecutor show this guy banging the gavel and screaming uh, in the on the floor of the Congress, 
uh, but not this other stuff where the police are actually letting him into the floor of the Congress. Well, it's not only that it is incomplete, it is incomplete in a sinister way because it, it portrays him as different than the other video. So it is, even if it didn't make him not guilty as his defense lawyer, I'm going to say it is incredibly relevant for punishment because it mitigates what he did there. I wonder what would have happened, Judge, if these two officers or three officers who were escorting him said, sir, it's time to go. You can't go in there. Or put your hands behind your back. We're going to arrest You're you. You're under arrest right. for trespass. They didn't and, and, even and do and that. Trespassing. Yeah. They didn't even do that. They didn't yeah. do that. In fact, and this particular guy, <laughs> like you say, he went up on the dais where the speaker you know, is, and he let out a big yell, and then he made a speech. And this would have been exculpatory because it was in real time with officers in the in the uh, chamber. He he gave a little speech where he thanked the officers for their courtesy and politeness in escorting them in and out of the Capitol building. Yeah. He actually said a little prayer. And prayed, yeah. Said, I, pray, I, I thank I mean, you for I mean, the opportunity. I yeah, mean, you know. it was hardly, look, it, it was hardly legal what they were doing. No. No but one, it, no it one. It was also went, yeah. hardly. Yeah, but prosecute uh, them for the right overthrow. things. Exactly. Or prosecute right. the violent people. Right. I got no right. problem. Right. And prosecute right. this guy for trespassing. Sure. I got no problem. Whatever with crimes that. he committed. Sure. But he but got four three, years. He got three and a half years. And this is pen. like in a state court, a trespass is like a misdemeanor in the first degree. Six months in jail, thousand dollar fine, max. Max. All right. Makes you actually. It might even be an M two. It's a misdemeanor in the second degree, so it's only ninety. I mean, it, it's like yeah, it is. It, it, they and and I think what's worse is it. The political agenda made this guy the poster child oh, yeah. for the tenor of how they're going to portray it to the public. Yeah. And this evidence is completely, wholly, totally inconsistent with that theme. And, you know, I, 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 I find it reprehensible as a criminal defense lawyer representing folks uh, and championing the rights that were created. Yeah. Out of this agenda, or out, I don't want to call it agenda, out of literally out of the left. I mean, it, you know, the law and order people back in the 70s and early 80s, this is what spawned Dirty Harry to be, you know, like right. these guys have too many rights and he shoots the guy. You know, yeah. it's like the, these are the constitutional rights that, that, um, that really make our system unique and incredible. And uh, for a political agenda, the worst cause of all time, politics. They deprive this guy of his right to have access to exculpatory information. To your point, on MSNBC, one of the talking heads over on that network, one of the experts they brought in said, what the cops should have done to this guy is just shot him. So th this is how things have flipped in this wow. country. The, the, the liberals used to be the people that distrusted government. Now they're the people that want government to do everything. Only, only consistent with their biddings. And they're the people that want, want to shoot people, put them into camps, uh, fine them, censor speech, restrict their travel. Etc. I mean, it's they're like the anti-freedom people. When back in the '60s, they were the pro-freedom people. But it's amazing what it's happened. What, it, it, what happens to us as we get older? Yeah, unreal. We flip. We flip. Well, I, I, I think if you look generation to generation, it, it's probably a people sort of wake up a pattern. They? they maybe that's a better way of looking like you, at it. You, you get a little they, older, they, you realize there's more than one cause for all these problems. Right. right? There's a, there's a pattern. You grow up and you realize I can't be like I was when I was in my twenties. That that's unrealistic when I'm in my sixties. And you know what? Maybe in your twenties you think. And I, I've done a lot of juvenile legal work, and I've talked to a lot of psychologists on juvenile law. I've had some major, major national cases in the juvenile arena. And, you know, it's fascinating to me, particularly with males, like your prefrontal cortex just isn't developed and you don't make good decisions. And, you know, there's a reason we send the 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds to go fight the wars because they don't have the same fear structure or, or like response that, that we do as adults. But I think there's this notion when you're young that you can fix it. Oh, well, for sure. And it's sort of like becoming like I've grown yeah. into Christianity. You realize mm -hmm. how small and simple and and really, you know, Christ would say, be like a child or be like the baby or be like the child. And he's not saying act like a kid. He's saying that kid is innocent. Like that kid is like he is open to everything. And he see, you know, and then we get a little bit older and we start to think that we can control the world. Mm -hmm. And then we get a little bit older than that. And you realize I can't control any of this crap. <laughs> right. I got to go back to the one I thing I can go, control. I'm yeah. going to go be like a child. Yeah. Right. right. It's sort of fascinating. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is.
One one of the other uh, really uh, incredible uh, congressmen in, in terms of courage and in, in terms of what I hope and believe both for Jordan and for Congressman Brad Winstrup uh, is their um, integrity. So I respect both of these guys. So the other committee, one of the other committees chaired by a congressman from Ohio, this guy from Cincinnati is Dr. Brad Winstrup. Dr. Winstrup is the guy who basically saved Steve Scalise's life uh, at that uh, baseball game where the Bernie bro with the rifle and the pistol showed up to politically assassinate the Republican uh, baseball team, right? Um, Brad Winstrup was the guy who crawled, uh, you know, on his belly over to Steve Scalise and, uh, you know, stenched uh, the bleeding, uh, you know, uh, so uh, he's quite a guy. Uh, I went to high school with him. He was in my class, by the way. So uh, I've known Brad for a while. Uh, we're not, you know, tight or anything, but uh, it's great to see him in the Congress. He is overseeing the hearings taking place right now on the origins of COVID, which, as we know, have been completely uninteresting to the Democratic Party when they, were, you know, for the last three years, they they basically weren't interested, whether it came from a lab or from a wet market animal or whatever. Well, it turns out that they have now looked into 80,000 different species and different animals, um, and they cannot find any animal that ever had this particular COVID. So, golly, the, the first victims appear to be lab people working at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China. And they were hospitalized and never seen again. There, there were other people in the lab who immediately said it was a lab leak. There's even one lady who is a dissident who has come to the United States. She's been all over the shows saying it was intentionally leaked. Now that that is, I mean, now that's actually an accusation of of warfare by by the communist Chinese. But at the very least, several experts within the CDC and the NIH early on told Fauci, you know, this looks engineered. There, there are markers on the DNA of this virus that look to us like it was man-made or man-manipulated, uh, artificially manipulated to have certain features, which I'm not an expert to tell you what they were. You could, you know. People, listeners, you can dig that out for yourselves. But with the, the, Brad Winstrup had a witness, the head of the CDC at the time, Dr. Robert Redfield, and he was cut out of this paper that Fauci helped to secretly co-authored and co-edited that said, no way it came from a lab. It probably came from an animal. It's naturally, COVID-19 was naturally spawned and is, it, 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 and what he was doing was hiding the fact that Fauci was funding research on gain of function at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So the guy was covering his tracks and a lot of us thought that the whole time. Well, and it, here we are, we've got look, his if, own CDC guy saying they cut me out of the preparation of that letter. And then Fauci got up in front of the microphone in front of President Trump and later President Biden and said, no way this came from a lab. Well, and there's other emails that have now been exposed where Fauci is sort of down. He's, he's suggesting without even much of a veil, don't go down that path. Yes. You know, and we don't want, that's not, that's not going to be our story is really what he's saying. That's we're what going, he's saying. We're going in a different direction. And then, you know, it, 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 it's not a coincidence, I don't think or at least this is what the investigation is targeting, that he had some connection to the lab, that there was funding going to the lab, that the, that, that through him, really, through his subsidiaries. Through a third party, and, right. And, and through some third parties that he was, that he was part of. A grantee, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so he was in the chain. Yeah. And so not only did he have a self-interest in making this something else, but he had a financial interest in making this somebody else. And by self-interest, I mean he didn't want to target on him. 
but there's also a financial interest too, because he also, I think, made a crap ton of money on the remedies that they portrayed, right? So yeah. at the or the the vaccine situation because it just it all stinks. It's what we're talking about. Back mm-hmm. to the householder thing, right? It's like right. when it's a pay to play system, um, it permeates everything. What Steve is right. referring to is this very strange patent uh, ownership policy within the CDC. The scientists like Fauci are able to develop vaccines and patents and organisms and whatever, and they're allowed to own those patents, even though they're on the taxpayer's dime while they're doing it, right? So he's getting paid while he's getting paid. And, you know, Hmm. anybody else doing that, like if a police officer... And and, and just real quick, Steve, and in previous hearings, he refused to disgorge... Right, he wouldn't disclose it. He wouldn't disclose it. So imagine a police officer who is like... uh, I'll have to come up with a better example, but any government official who is benefiting to that degree financially uh, based on policy that they're portraying uh, in, in one direction to the exclusion of another. Yeah. It's almost too much to bear. I mean, if, they, if that doesn't create an appearance of impropriety, nothing else would. And if that yeah. is not actual impropriety, I'm not sure anything else is. It's that's really what, weird. That's it's, household. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's really Because in the real world, if you work for a company, let's say you work for Intel you, as an right. example, you're and right. you create something that's right. utilizing their tools it becomes their intellectual property. Hundred percent. And yes. you don't walk away with that. Now, maybe there's an agreement. Uh, you get some residual, have... possibly. I, I don't know, but but right. that's that, that's the norm. That's, that's the real the world stuff. Right. And, and there are agreements that occur. Like I can't help you now, as a government official in a, in the administrative state. But you know, uh, you know, Mister Government Administrative, I can't give you money now. But you know, when you're done there, there's probably a job for you over here. Yeah. Now, that's a handshake deal that gets no attention. It's not on paper. But it, I think I'd like to know, I'd want to know how many people left those sort of government positions and then went to work for the Intels or went to work for the uh, Pfizer's or went to work for the yeah. the people who were getting the government grants in the first place. And they're out there. I've seen the stats. I just can't rattle them off. They're out there. And, you know, for Fauci to make this kind of money and at the same time here in Ohio, we have Householder who is essentially doing the same thing. You know, it's like, isn't that the same allegation? Pretty, we want you to fix this for it's us. It's the same highway he's driving on. Well, yeah, it is. But you're exploiting yeah. your public office. Right. And this is why I, I, I cringe at the at the householder prosecution. I think not because he didn't do anything wrong, but because everybody's doing the same damn thing. And it, it becomes the thing that Jordan is going he, after. He, he, he will targeted prob- and who doesn't. He will probably become the poster child of this. Yeah, he will. And, and, and what Jordan is looking for is why are we targeting some but not others in this? You know, why are mm-hmm. we? Uh, Brad Winstrup. Yeah. Yeah. Brad Winstrup. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. right. That's, the, that's the idea of all these committees, really. It's like, let's get to the bottom of this nonsense. Right. And Jordan is literally and, and figuratively a roll up your sleeves guy and get to work. Oh, and, yeah. And, and that's what he's doing. Um, I would like to see one other point on, on the footage, too. I, I want to get back to him. Sure. I want to see all of it. And I think Tucker made a mistake here, too. Uh, I know he released the footage of um, the shaman walking around, as well as the other police officer who was allegedly killed as a result of the getting hit with a fire extinguisher. He sort of proved that guy was looking fine after that incident. Um, I well, want, he was never hit by a fire. And he was never hit. But, <laughs> but not only that, he was actually walking around after it allegedly didn't happen. Yeah. Mm. But I, I, would, I think there's also a mistake out of Fox News not to make this completely and totally public. So if somebody wants to go see 30 or 500 hours of of footage they can do it because you know as a as a trial lawyer excising portions of a video of that length and not showing the rest of it is the same thing the other side was doing before well but but isn't that our film as 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 absolutely public record so it should be on it should be on a dot gov somewhere right that it's ours because we paid for the freaking cameras that recorded it so it's our film yeah i i i don't i don't know the the mechanics of it it's forty one thousand hours yeah somebody else sit through it <laughs> there are you know somebody there will. are there I don't care if they're QAnon I don't care if they're uh, Antifa I don't care if they're Roundtable right here at, at Common Sense Ohio somebody will look through that and sure. they have every right yeah. to do it probably two times speed well, well, you like, know a lot of people dance around fast but <laughs> it'll be like yeah. the Zapruder film it will be right yeah. and everybody anybody who's had a lot like doing what I do you get a jury trial where there's hours and hours and hours of that footage. We, I sit and I watch it yeah. before trial because you never know. 
Well, and, and you know you're going to be looking for – those at watch will be looking for specific actions, specific people that were yeah. highlighted because of yeah. – the, the the trouble they're in. Right. Me specifically, I'd want to find the guy that was carrying the zip ties. Yeah. I want to know what that dude was doing. That, that's that image bothers me. There, that's a, the one image that bothers me. The whole thing is that guy carrying zip ties. There's a few. There, there's like a few things that just don't make that don't add up. Like the guy who was instigating it, and then there was guys walking around with backpacks that don't add yeah, up. I mean, there's just the weird, lots of there are lots of things. I'm sure. Yeah. Stuff once you start to remember like it, the zip tie guy. Like you want to know what that guy's doing? Because because zip ties are in action. Yes. That you want to do something with well, them. A shaman a, guy with a horns, nah, he's just kind of off. He's just a he's just a weird dude. He's a weird dude. Yeah. Right. He wants so, to be photogenic. Yeah, yeah. there was uh, some other video that didn't, you know, wasn't Tucker related, but uh, there was video that I think came out about a week ago, maybe 10 days ago, from the D.C. police. And what it was, they one of their officers or one or two officers saw a group of men uh, walking down the sidewalk and he noticed one was packing and they stopped him and they said, uh, gentlemen, you know, I need to see your IDs. Uh, you know, wh where are you going? What are you up to? And it, what it was, it was three uh, uh, FBI uh, undercover guys uh, looking very much like uh, MAGA guys. MAGA guys. Yeah. Oh. And, they, and they all whipped out their IDs. Hey, I'm a fed. I, you know, and, sooner and, or later, the three or twos are like the police reports for FBI. Sooner or later, those are going to get released. We're going to get some of that information yeah. as to what was going on. It'll be years. Ew, eventually, it's yeah. coming out. And I will bet yeah. you, I will bet you that there was some very questionable government Department of Justice stuff going on there. Uh, with uh, Look, you don't put the FBI out there and then not uh, for no reason. Isn't the, oh, yeah, right. They've got better I things mean, to do. I mean, yeah. let's get to the bottom line. Yeah. Isn't the big suspicion that Nancy, the D.C. cops, the FBI, they all had pre they all they all had warning up ahead of time. They knew. And they knew. Trump, to his credit, also had some intel and contacted the speaker's office, Nancy. She controls the Capitol Police. The speaker does. that. They work for the speaker. So now they work for Kevin McCarthy. He offered uh, National Guard. Yeah. And she said no. And, and she, she said no. So, so isn't the bottom line thesis, it's just an operating thesis. It hasn't been proven yet. Is that these people knew an incident was going to happen. And they wanted it to happen. I, I think there is that stink over this thing. And th look, that's exactly what everybody's hinting around at. That look, and, and we had these protesters actually got permits. I saw the chart where they had permits to be at a certain place. Absolutely. Hmm. And I, I knew people you know, there for the speeches. Law-abiding people. They did not go in the Capitol building. Yeah. These people. But yes, exactly. They flew to D.C. They were there to yeah. listen to the speakers. Right. And you know. So it was known that there was going to be a lot of people there. It was known that there was going to be uh, Trump there, who's a controversial in and of himself. It was known how he was behaving leading up to this. Yeah. Uh, all this stuff was known in advance. And you would say, uh, all right, why don't we make sure there is absolutely no problem? We're going to bring out the guard. We're going to surround this so you know they can protest all they want. But right. imagine, so imagine if it were the KKK. Exactly. All right. You right. you would have you would have brought out the guard. Oh yeah. You would have brought out the guard. Absolutely. Um, or, you know, if it's a, like, I, I always like to do this, take the content out of it and, and, or transfer it to the content you like or don't like, or mm -hmm. what is dangerous or what is not like, it, it, I, I think, and I, what I, the, the problem with this sort of half information cover up is what it looks like. It makes it, this is where conspiracy theories begin. And this is how they flourish because it makes it look like Pelosi and company wanted something to happen and maybe even like take it a step further, actually orchestrated it. So it did happen. I'm not saying that's what occurred, but if because of the lack of transparency on this stuff, that's what people are thinking is, is going on. Or, only, or, right, or allow the confusion to happen because I think you have three uh, protective forces at play at that building. You've got, you could have national guard, Capitol you got police. Capitol police and you got DC police, DC police. And those three had no freaking crew clue what to do they didn't know what to do because th th there was no communication between them no one was told that you take control no you take control it, th i think they allowed that confusion to happen yeah let's put it that way they were okay with it 
they were okay. Yeah, they were okay with the thing. And I, I, I sort of because it was, because it was the unimaginable that happened that day. I, I see. I, I sort of think that they were like, all right, we're going to let them go do this because they're going to look like idiots when they do it. I think that's sort of like the Pelosi yeah. attitude. You know, sure. they can do it. They're going to look stupid. Trump is just going to say a bunch of stuff that we're going to use against them later. Yeah, and uh, this is all beneficial to and, us. And in fact, True. they, they did impeach him. They did right. Uh, uh, and when he was out of office, like let him. Mm-hmm. In other words, give him enough rope to hang himself. That's sort of the old right. adage. Yeah, let him just talk. He'll keep talking his way right into uh, the ground. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it got out of hand. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're right, Brett. I think they didn't know how to handle it once that happened. Right. Then you look at like these guys, these police sort of casually walking around with these people, though. It's like I, I don't have a good explanation for that. Uh, I yeah. really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't understand that. They uh, say they, they say the police in the Capitol building were outnumbered about 50 to one. OK. OK. And so I'm trying to think of law enforcement. Is there you know, a tactic there that supports being nice to them? To just, yeah, right. Like to lower the temperature. Yeah, yeah maybe the, so. the one, yeah. The one uh, uh, police officer who, who has since left the Capitol Police, uh, in fact, put on a MAGA hat. And he even went over to some of the... Well, he didn't since left. He got run out. He got run mm-hmm. out. That's right. Yeah. He, he, uh, he went over to, what are they called, the Oath Keepers? Or, or it was some group, nonviolent mm-hmm. group. And he asked these guys if they wouldn't help intercede with him to allow 16 Capitol Police who were trapped in a tunnel or somewhere uh, to, to help get them out of there in a, in, a, in, a, you know, in, a, in a nonviolent way. And they did. So, so some of the police— so it was good police work. It was great police yeah, work. So mm-hmm. you could look at—so fair enough. That makes sense to me. Yeah. That, that you, yeah. So the reasonable explanation—there's two. Two explanations. <laughs> One, that there's a conspiracy— that these guys were all part of it, and they were walking around with these uh, protesters, and uh, the idea was to let these protesters just keep going and going and going and going and going, so they can make a case against Trump. All right, so that's that's yeah. one. The other option is this is a this is a protest that got quickly out of hand. People went in initially, sort of violently, breaking windows and going in, and then a bunch of people followed, walking around like, "What the hell are we doing in here?" Oh, this that was that's a yeah. majority of the people. And I think. Yeah, they and got the police, caught. and yeah. the police were holding the doors open. Being and the police are being outnumbered. Realize, all right, we're not going to stop this stampede, so let's do what we can to hurt it. And then and keep an eye on the go on the people that are just outrageous and and get yeah. them. And then, right. then yeah. slowly usher yeah. these people through, let them have their day, and then no. get them out. Right. And you know, you could say that now. There's going to be radio chatter. There's going to be. Uh, calm back and forth and it's all recorded a lot of stuff gets recorded i have had cases where you know it's going back and forth you can get that and uh i bet you we're just scratching the surface of what's going to be well, the with you so anyway norm you got any mm-hmm. nuggets we're about an hour in yeah yeah uh so um a couple local things uh that are interesting uh they are now offering because of a school bus driver shortage uh in ohio it is common now for school districts such as Reynoldsburg, which is local here in Columbus, which has cut 120 routes this year uh, from their bus service. It is becoming common now for the um, school districts to offer some pretty good jack per hour. So they're up. To, I mean, I remember when I represented the school bus industry in Ohio, they were paying maybe 10 bucks an hour. It's now up to about 30 to start. To be, mm. a school, to be a bus driver, to be a school that's got to be a tough job. Too. Oh man, oh, man. I, I, I wouldn't. I, want it's it. not a walk in the park. That's got to be no. pretty tough. I mean, they put a cage yeah. around your driving yeah. position. Do they really do that? Oh now? yeah, and they got cameras on board. Oh, you man. can't touch a student. So you see somebody in the back there murdering another student. I mean, in the old days, a bus driver get up some big burly Popeye looking kind of guy, ex Navy or whatever, you know, with a a Marine Corps tattoo, and he'd say, "Hey." Get the hell off that guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he'd pick him up like a monkey and put him back in the seat and, and say, hey, Billy Smith, you, you, what the hell yeah. are you doing? You know, maybe even give mm. him a whack on the, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's the experience I had. But, uh, no, I mean, yeah. it, 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 what you can do now is basically nothing other than record it and call the 911. Yeah, I yeah, it's, 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 it, it's too bad. And, you know, busing's a disaster anyway, but it's... um. It, it, yeah, it it, it just another an, another problem that is not getting fixed. Right. A couple other things. Uh, Rumpke 
is building in Ohio. <laughs> so here's, here's more development. I'm not sure how attractive this is, but hey, it's down in a pretty rough neck of uh, Columbus, a neighborhood uh, uh, on Joyce Avenue, which is very industrial. Rumpke is building a $90 million state-of-the-art, lar- said to be the largest in the USA, recycling plant. Um, and so, uh, they just announced that and, uh, you know, more, more jobs, more industry. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they're locating it there instead of out in a pristine, uh, green field somewhere yeah. in Licking. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Can I, I want to add one nugget. Can yeah, I, I thought please. this was, I thought this was real interesting. Please. There's yes. a Columbus gas station that blasts opera music 24 seven to deter loitering. I saw that story too. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and that is like, and I'm reading this going, if it were a let's let's as you do change it around completely, talk about racist, reverse racist. Yeah, yeah. That it's okay. So opera is supposed to be the anti-black music. I thought music was universal. Well, is it? So the question is: Are they or, trying to avoid? Are they trying to scare away? Who are they trying to scare away? Exactly. You know, so is it and black I, folks? Is it white folks? Is it everybody? I think there's a cultural problem that people just hate opera music generally. So yeah. I wonder. Oh, I love opera. So what if what if it were? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so what if it were? Let's just play it both ways. So yeah. let's say it's a it's a black neighborhood, so they're going to start playing country music, or, and, <laughs> yeah. or well, if, it's a, if it's a white neighborhood, so they're going to start playing black rap music, right? You know, so is it racist? Is it effective? Is it not? It, it's an interesting query. Yeah, because nobody's going to talk about because they did that downtown Columbus. Uh, outside of the YMCA, uh, they were piping out classical music oh, that's, yeah. to deter loitering. To deter loitering. So, Class- so classical and opera just get black eyes. Yeah. And do. it's some of the greatest music ever produced that's lasted hundreds of years yeah. compared to the crap that we produce today. See, I think what they could do is comparatively, they could, they could just play like the loudest drum solo yeah. on, on loop. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you just like at some point you just because what, what like from Wipeout. Yeah, 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 we can do Wipeout. Yeah, like no, like like Neil Peart, like in a drum solo. It's, like, it's really impressive. It's really impressive for like five minutes. Because yeah. what after a while it's like well, Wipeout is really bad. Wipeout has that drum solo. Yeah, well, because weren't they bullhorning rock music in Iraq or something like that twenty four seven just to during the war just to annoy the they're like a torture. I mean, at least in movies, so my education comes from only movies where they just play really loud music twenty four seven. It really probably doesn't at some point doesn't matter what they're playing. Probably not. It's just, you just you just can't stand it. Right. So if guys are sleeping there and they're playing loud opera music, then they're not going to be able to sleep, and they're just going to say, "This sucks. I'm leaving." Yeah. Well, um, they did that to Noriega when he was holed up in the Vatican's embassy in Panama. They they aimed, uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, was metal it, music. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Then Night that's what I'm thinking. Day. Yeah. That's you what could I'm just thinking. see the seal operators just digging that. I'm mean, <laughs> sure they like, were. You know, play my, is, play my favorite next. Play my favorite next. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know they love that man. Oh my god, so, I just, I just couldn't believe that story. It's like you got to be kidding me. Yeah, and it's oh a my god. Look. I mean, whatever works. It's, I guess, and, and that's true. It, it, on the plus side, you don't have to have cops there, and it, and it alleviates the the cops. Peaceful. It's peaceful. Yeah, yeah. In the words it of, will be, it, there, there will be racism. Accusations. How can it not in, be? in the words of Brian Johnson from ACDC, rock and roll ain't noise pollution. <laughs> rock and roll ain't noise pollution. All right, that we're going to wrap it up here at Common Sense Ohio. This has been a chock full of common sense day here at the round table. We've taken on some controversy, some fun, some uh, legal cases, all the way from Brady versus Maryland to Mr. Householder. Uh, to the QAnon shaman and Jim Jordan, we get it done here at Common Sense Ohio, coming at you right from the middle, at least until now.